start. Well, hi there, folks. This is WP Tonic Live. This should be a great show this Saturday, Saturday, June the 4th. Got um, some initial great guests. Oh, and we've got another of the panel that's appeared, Russell. Um, we're going to start off the show with some WordPress news stories, and then um, we're going to go into the main topic. I'm going to let Russell in. And, oh, there we go. Oh, here he is, the man himself. Hello, Russell. Hey, good morning. Hey, Russell. Good morning. Oh, here comes trouble. Uh, um, So um, I'm going to start off. I'm going to let the – we should have some of the other panelists joining us, so I'm going to drop out and let John run it. Okay. And um, so I think we start off – me. I don't know what's that. (laughs) What's that? He's like, I can do this. Let's go. <laughs> I'm just going to drop out. All right. Um, I'm going to ask the pan- initial panel just to introduce themselves. And um, that's... Um, you know you know what this is like, Jonathan. It's like, hey, let's all go out to dinner. And then you're like, no, I'm, I'm not hungry. And then you bail. It's going to start somewhere. We've got another panel. Go on, Jackie, introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Jackie DeLeo with Jackie DeLeo Design, and um, I build sites for clients. Just do lots of other things, too, but that's about it. You can find me at JackieDeLeo.com. It's nice to meet you. I can tell, Jackie, you've got that glint in your eye. Go on, Russell. Introduce yourself, Russell. I guess if I have to. Um, So my name is Russell Aaron. I run everything here in Vegas, uh, the WordPress meetup, the WordCamp Las Vegas 2016. And I work for a little company called WebDev Studios. Oh, well, there you go. What happens in Dallas? That's why you get started. What happens in Dallas? Like, that's (laughs) miles away. (laughs) And uh, you can can find me on RussellENVY.com. Thanks. Go on, John, my beloved co-host. Introduce yourself. Sure thing. My name's John Locke, and I run uh, just a little consultancy called Lockdown Design. There you go. So shall we go on to the main topic? Tools and tips connected to building WordPress websites. And um, I was looking at maybe some some of the things I I, I was looking at maybe desktop servers. They might help. Um, browser extensions or plugins that could help text editors and just any general stuff that comes to the panel's eyes. I think I'll hit this off and then um, I, I might leave for 15 minutes and let um, Sally join us. But, um, <laughs> uh, but my favorite part is that earlier you said you were going to leave and then now you're putting a time limit on it. <laughs> Do you want me? Do you want me to leave completely, no, no, then, no, no, um, no. Russell? <laughs> Jonathan, it, 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 you uh, you amaze me. Russell, you laugh at the same time. Look, Russell, you've got to understand. You're dealing with Englishness here. It, it's a different mind. I know. I know you're American, but this is a kind of different <laughs> mindset, my friend. Funny, it's you funny. know, it's kind of English bonkers. <clears throat> and, and, all right, uh, right, right. <laughs> so, um, shall we start? So panel um would you think would you agree maybe starting off with is it a good idea to have a desktop server if you're if you're you're starting to develop sites for other people do you think it's a good idea to have a desktop server a local development yes. um, setup yes 
Yes, because what I want people to know first and foremost before you start building is that you need to learn how to make a backup before you learn how to install themes. Um, because if you break your theme and you don't have a backup, you go back to square one. If you have a backup, you can get back to square 15 or 16 or whatever. So um, having something like uh, desktop server or using VVV, you can build things locally and then you can push them up to your website. And if they break, you still have a backup and a local copy that you can pull from. Right. So um, some of the ones um, I, I, I stuck with it. I, I use MAMP free. Um, I've been using it for donkey's years, and I've just stuck Here, with. Here's the question: Are you are you using MAMP um, on a Windows or on a Mac computer? Because Mac. they make them for both. <laughs> yeah, they do. Which is great. Um, and then you got XMPP. That's free. I've never used it. Do you think it's any good, actually, Russ? Zamp? Yeah, I love Zamp. Um, uh, currently, these days, I'm using uh, uh, varying, varying variables. I'm using VVV, but um, if I need to spin up a quick instance, yeah, sure. Uh, I think Zamp and, and Map are, are two good resources. And then you got ServerPress. Who you? I use it. Oh, you use it, and yeah. And how have you found it? What you like about it, and what you don't like? About I it? I use that, and I also use Migrate DB Pro. Um, yeah. Both of those in my development process, and it depends on the client and whether or not they have an existing site and they're still working on it. There's lots of variables that go with that, but one of a combination of those things. I usually build out the site, um, you know, locally. And then I'll push it up. I'll push it up to a staging server, typically yeah. for them to look at while we're working on it and making decisions about it. But I've also got a situation now where I have a client that's I'm pulling down their live data every day or two um, to my local dev. And I'm using uh, Migrate DB Pro for that with the media file add on. So when Nice. I, they're building it out. They're loading their images and everything. So I can just pull it all down. So what I'm working on now, and I've just kind of segregated things, I'm only working on files. So I'm not doing anything with the database at this point. Um, so I'm building out the styles and doing all of that. And I keep pulling down their, their live data every day. And then I'll push mine up to a staging server if we wanted to try some other things out without like kind of disrupting what they're working on. Sure, fair enough. Um, so, two points for Jackie for for uh, dropping that uh, that staging server. I'm a huge fan of of moving your website anywhere else and breaking it there instead of on your live site. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's, yeah. the, it's the kind of methodology that I I use, Russell, because um, basically it goes to a staging site and they can see what's happening, mm-hmm. and um, then they pay me. And then I move it to their site. Bingo. <laughs> Payment is rather important, Russell. Absolutely. Um, That's the way to go. Well, well so um, I think what gets lost in translation a lot and why we move things to staging is, number one, um, your computer locally is not going to be the same setup as a server um, that's on the host. Um, n- n- number two is that um, until, like Jonathan said, until you get paid, you want to have control and say, no, 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 you can't use this until you pay for it, right? Like, 
I, I, I think a lot of people think that staging is just supposed to be this middle ground kind of thing, but it's actually a, a tool that developers use to protect what they've worked on. Well, they soon, they soon learn the facts. What about you, John? What, 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 do you use any of these, John? Which one? No, I, I, would have, I am thinking about using a desktop server pretty soon here, but my methodology is, is a little bit different, and, and maybe it's just because I usually uh, just work on the theme by myself. Uh, but, uh, yeah, usually I just go ahead and have a staging server um, that I control, and then you know whether it's for a client or for another agency uh i do rapid development and you know do daily backups of that and then when it's ready go ahead and send that to them they can look at it uh you know and then we make like final changes if any are necessary then we send it on to their server so sure yeah. I think yeah. one advantage of developing locally is if you're like designing in the browser and making a lot of changes, it's just a lot faster to update things. Um, I use, uh, you know, I'm using Grunt right now and I'm looking at switching to Gulp, but for right now, my local dev environment set up, I'm using Grunt so and I'm using SAS. So I'm making all of my changes to the styles and it's nice to have it just compile and it's easy. It's faster to work on a local dev. If I had to push that up somewhere and wait for that and um, the, de- the back and forth time, I just find I, I'm a lot more efficient now that I'm on a local dev. Well, I they, mean, there's an extra step. You still have to push it up to the staging for your client to see it and things, but um, that's okay. Th- there's an added bonus to doing things locally, and and what that bonus is is that, um, especially with like desktop server and desktop s- server pro is you can build blueprints. So yeah. you can you can say, no matter what, I'm going to um, always install these five plugins. And yeah. you can actually build that into your core. So every time you do an install on desktop server, it's got these six things already there. You don't have to go download them every single time. You do have to update them inside of the scripts. But regardless, they're going to be included. And it makes building... Um, it makes your workflow a lot quicker. It makes spinning up test sites and things easy because you've got, you know, like I said, you have all your plugins set up in the blueprint and you just roll it out and it's like, you're ready to go. You're ready to go. Let those wagons rag- roll. All right. All right. Uh, um, right. Let's go on to some, cause um, like I say, I, I never use server press, but I met the guys and um, um, the wizard um, spent almost a day with them. Um nice. Yeah, it's all their time up. I thought he was going to actually looking for a job with them. So they seem a great crowd. Um, I've just kept with that man, man free out of habit, really, but it does the job for me. I kind of, I'm a kind of hybrid. I, I kind of initially develop locally, and then I do what John does. I bun it up to test server. It get, I just find it easier, John, to do so much, like a third of it locally and then I kind of then I decide when I got it to a certain stage then I bun it up to a test server which the client can then um, chirp in uh, at different levels of chirpiness uh, um, so let's move on then let's go maybe to um, or is, are there any other resources around desktop development that you that you know about Russell that you would recommend um, well, so I sat in a talk in WordCamp Minneapolis um, from Brad Parbs, who is a fellow Web Dev Studios uh, coworker, 
and he was talking about um, installing this thing. It's called VV varying variables, yeah. and, and so um, it is, it uses um, VirtualBox, but it creates a um, a virtual server, and you can install. Um, anything that's going to be on your client server, you can install it locally. And so you kind of have, you can bring their server to you instead of you having to go to their server and you can test on your computer locally and you can know about 90% about what you're going to expect from that server. And yeah. that just gives you a better plan on, uh, on why you're building instead of building it locally on desktop server pushing it up to Nginx and finding out, oh, man, uh, our transients don't work or something. You know, um, I think VVV um, it is phenomenal, and I will link to the uh, installing VV on uh, the codex. All right. So how hard is it to install? Is it a bit painful? Is it reasonably easy, do you think? If, if you're familiar with the command line or if you can follow a tutorial, it's very simple. Um, the hardest part about it, is letting the command line work and not touching it. <laughs> and, okay. and the hardest part is um, actually watching it because through several steps, it's going to ask you for your computer's uh, oh. admin password. And so if you just walk away, it's not going to install because it wants permission to do this and it wants permission to do this. I've sat through this many times. And so how long does it take to install then? On average, for like the first time, I mean, it's like seven, eight, nine minutes, depending on, depending on your computer processor and your uh, your your bandwidth stuff like that. All right, then doesn't sound too painful, but I think you're right. I think a, I'm a bit impatient, and if you if you decide to walk away, you can have a bit of a problem, aren't you? So thanks for pointing those out. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I did talk about. What about um? Let's say you want to test, like you're forced to test, you know, you're on a Mac and you've got to test, um, you know, Explorer or Edge and that. How do do you handle that, folks, Jackie? How do you handle, do you have a virtual, I don't, are you a PC or a Mac person to start off with? I'm a Mac person, but um, yeah, there's there's some uh, subscriptions you can have that'll let you go in and run things on different browsers um but i forgot the name of it I, i've used yeah. it in the past um but frankly i don't do that much of it uh with that it seems like i haven't had any problems so far uh, i've got clients that have windows and you know i think edge is better now things are better i mean i i don't I don't do any coding for like Internet Explorer eight or anything like that. I've just let it all go. It's 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 over. It Let's just move on and streamline things and clean up our style sheets and and get and get better with that. Yeah, this goes. This just go for. But I'm sure Russell probably knows more about um, testing in different environments. Um, well, so I'm a Mac guy at heart, and um, but I have Parallels set up yeah, on. Uh, on my Mac, so um, I run uh, Boot Camp, and so that way I can just switch between Mac and through uh, through Windows, and I can go test over there. Um, there are a couple things that you have to know how to set up, um, and you can read more about those. But for the most part, it does the job, and it gives me a good sense of what I'm trying to do. Um, instead of paying for something that's going to just show me a screenshot of IE6, IE7, IE8. Yeah. Um, I, I would rather run something locally on my computer. Do you think it makes sense just to buy a a cheap uh, Windows box and 
<laughs> just have it laying around for for testing or um yes and no because you can keep a, a, a different version of Windows on it. So I, I have Windows 10 on my, my boot camp right now, but I have a computer I'm looking at right now that has 8 on it, and I have another computer that has 7 on it. So if I need to test a very specific instance of Windows to see if I can recreate the problem, yeah. But, I mean, do you have to go out and spend $800 in three different computers to do that? I don't yeah. think so. No. It's just especially with how easy it is to spin up virtual uh, virtual box in a virtual environment. Yeah, well, Jackie, it's just you, they, they do take up a lot. If you especially if you've got a solid disk hard drive, Jackie, they do take up a bit of room. So I just put them on a external hard drive. Um, you need something that's either yeah, um, that. USB free. It's going to be a bit too slow. <laughs> Um, and then I, I have a, a little um, external hard drive that has about four or five different version of Parallel. Mm-hmm. Parallels is like one I use, but there's um, also Sun. But, but is it called VirtualBox? I think it's called VirtualBox. Yeah, VirtualBox, and then there's another one called VMware. Yeah, they're all pretty good, Jackie. And um, when you set it up and you have these different versions, you just power up which version you want from your Mac, and it and it runs it. You you just need a lot of memory, and um, it's the memory thing. You you know, if you're running a lot of stuff and you only got four gig of memory, it's going to kind of. Oh no, I, I have thirty-two, so I'm good. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so, so I have I have thirty-two on my iMac as well. Um, but but so what what happens with the virtual box is what you're doing is is you are dedicating. Um, it, it's not like you're going to lose it forever. It's not like you're going to give two gigs to the virtual. Now your computer's only running thirty. What happens is when you start it, it's going to take two from you, but you're still going to be able to use this, and so. Um, most people that they get, most people forget that um, moving it all the way up to eight when you only have eight means that your virtual environment is going to fly. But anything you're trying to do on your operating system that's not virtually is going to be way slow. So it's just it, it, you're trying to balance what you're trying to do. Yeah. And what I do, Jackie, is you know when I am, I, I, you know, like you, I don't. I just do it just I like to see what, even though it's been clearly said that none of these old browsers are going to be supported, I just like to quickly see what is going on. Because just in case somebody comes back and asks me a question, I said, well, I'm I'm aware of it, but it wasn't supported in an agreement. And, you know, there's only like 2% of the world population of your visitors that are going to use it. So is it really worth spending Mm -hmm. another thousand, you know, blah, 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 what yeah. do you reckon, John? Yeah, certainly. Um, like Internet Explorer 8 and 9, they're generally not supported for uh, – well, they're not supported at all like right now. But um, <laughs> but what I was going to say is there's a lot of instances where you do have to um, develop for those, and that would be in the enterprise where people don't upgrade their OSs. Uh, you know, it's a big undertaking to upgrade from Windows XP to uh, what's current. And so that you might run into an instance where you have to support those. Uh, another case is nonprofits. There are like some nonprofits that require you to support 
Windows 8 and 9. Or uh, I should say, Internet Explorer eight and nine. I was going to offer something too, is a bit of a resource for people who might be a little bit intimidated by um, all the technical, um, you know, aspects of setting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, (laughs) setting up like their own virtual machine and stuff like that. There's a called Browse Chat. Yeah, and. I think it's like $19 a month. Uh, and you can uh, browse. They're on live machines. Uh, you know, it's Windows. Uh, you know, all different types of configurations, all different types of browsers. All the way to, uh, you know, current Safari, which is actually what, coincidentally, it's it's weird, but that's what I actually use for is for the newer versions of Safari. Uh, because they are you know, a little bit problematic um, as compared to like Firefox or Chrome to uh, develop for. Uh, but yeah. for, thir- for thirty yeah, for thirty nine just- a month, you get like unlimited time. So that's that's also a consideration. So and Don, you're talking about live viewing, not snapshots, right? So you're live able viewing. Able to yep. Browse the website, look yep. at yeah. So mm-hmm. that would yep. be beneficial if you wanted to see how your design is rendering on a specific browser. Yep. So instead of like setting up, and and they also, uh, I do I think it's like uh, simulated for uh, different Android devices and iOS and stuff like that, and they're pretty accurate. Um, so again, if you don't want to set up like a whole uh, computer lab with different uh, OSs, um, then that's definitely an alternative. Sounds good to me. I, so I, I, I have one use case where uh, you have to build for IE and uh, I used to work for the National Weather Service, and all those uh, government places, they're, they're still on XP because mm-hmm. XP, XP was still considered to be a stable release of Windows. Um, and, 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 and so we had to, um, we had to expect that, okay, they're going to be using this version or they're going to be using this. So we had to test for that. Um, the mortgage industry as well, a lot of mortgage-based websites are still ASPX-based, um, and they only work in Windows, and uh, and they only work in IE. So you kind of have to build that when you're pulling ASPX resources into your WordPress website. Yeah, it's it's really important to know like what you know what the clients are going to be looking at it is. And and this is like a couple of years ago, I had a client. They're like, oh, how come the website looks off? And come to find out that they're looking at it like on XP in the AOL browser. So, yeah, you know, and, and and they have the Yahoo toolbar up, up top. Sure. <laughs> so so finding that stuff out is like important. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. Right. So I think we move on to um, next one. I've got next kind of subheaders: browser extensions and plugins. So I think anybody that's getting into it, they they need to know something about Firebug or Chrome development tools. Um, they're two great browser extensions. So, um, Jackie, do you use either Firebug oh, or Chrome? I use Chrome right developed? now. I use Chrome yeah. Debug there. And it works fine for me, so I haven't, haven't had any complaints. I, I have all the browsers installed, so I test out on different ones. But primarily, so, I'm in Chrome. Here, here's a question, and I, I don't think you have a Firefox developer installed, do you? I might, but I'm not using it very much. Ooh, ooh. so I I build in Firefox Developer just because uh, it, it gives you so many different tools. 
but then I will go and look at it in Chrome and I will go and look at it in yeah. my other ones. But I use uh, Firefox developer primarily um, just for a lot of the resources that, that they provide. I'm the same, Russ. It's just, it's a great, um, it's just a great resource, isn't it, Russ? He's probably, <laughs> <laughs> He's so, so, so somebody just asked like what kind of resources. So, um, so Firefox developer, it's going to give you, um, it, it gives you a 3d look at your website. So you can actually see the layers and you can actually see for, uh, for like CSS, you can see what's topping what or why something is on top of each other. Um, another resource is, um, so I use either sublime text or I, I use, um, Adam to build and I can use, uh, Oh God, I forget the name of it, but I can just update, um, what I'm doing in sublime text and it, it, refers it sends it to the browser and so i don't have to upload or refresh or do anything it's live instances and chrome does this really well but i think firefox does it better okay cool yeah they're both great tools it's just i've stuck i've stuck with um firework um i mean the katie perry um, video all of a sudden fireworks yeah (laughs) If I works, yeah, I know you said something. No, you like old bloody Walter You got you were nasty to me a few episodes ago, and, but I, I noticed one of your contributors stood up for me, and she said that she uses it as well. So there you go. You you develop the spot. Can we go back just for a second to the developer yeah, tools and on. stuff? The other thing that we didn't yeah, mention sure. is just use Git. You know, I mean, use version control when you're developing. I It has saved me so many times when I've started going down a path and changing a design and doing something. And um, fortunately, I did a commit right before I started that or I branched it. And if you can get in the habit of using that, it makes your life a lot easier. It really does. Well, it, it, yeah. But I don't. I don't use it. Be quite I honest with it. you, Jackie. I but love I've, it. I've, I've, uh, it it makes your workflow so much better. Number one and number two is. Um, so I, I use SVN or we use SSH, um, but very similar to Git. And so what we do is, um, when I'm building something, I have SVN installed on my computer, so I'm keeping a local copy and I'm keeping each version control, and so that way I can go back and I can say. I forgot what I did in 1.3 to 1.4, what were the differences, and I can go back and look instead of saying, well, all I do is uh, cowboy code, and I do it on my live site, and I don't remember what I did six months from now. Um, so it kind of gives you that footprint of, of a change log um, with, with your code. Instead of updating a change log per se, you can just go back and look at your code. Great. And the other thing is it lets you test things out. So if you want, you're working on a plugin or you're doing something and you want to try some other way of doing it, you can branch and try it out. If it doesn't work, you can kill that branch. Or if it does and it's great and like this is even better, you can just merge it back in and you're good to go. If you ever need to roll back, you can. I love that. Or or if you're getting help from somebody like, like John Locke and, and you guys are in two different places, he can submit a pull request or, or yeah. he can he can pull down or, or push up. And that way you guys can work on things locally, but it keeps, even though you're merging your files together, it keeps a copy of what John did to what I did just in case we need to revert back. All right, and Jackie, do you use any kind of tools? I know, 
Um, I did use it for a little while. I was using a tool on the Mac called Tower to help with it. Do you use any kind of tools to help with, with Git? Or uh, yeah. no, I just use Git on the command line. I that's where I live. <laughs> I live. On I the do. I, I, I do as well. Uh, I'm a keyboard hero myself. Um, but but there there's lots of tools that you can use. Um, Git actually has their own GUI, their own uh, dashboard that you can use. Um, Atlassian makes a thing called Source Tree, which makes it really easy to push up to something like a GitHub or to uh, to a Bitbucket. Um, but for the most part, I'm using SVN and I'm using the command line just because I build plugins for the plugin uh, repo, and you have to use the terminal to do that. <clears throat> All right, but um, yeah, this is one I've got on my machine. I'm going to put it in. This is really handy, folks, if you don't want to become a command hero. <laughs> there we go. Uh, um, so that that's a nice little tool there, folks. So um, so you two are really into the old Git, and I'm not, and I don't think you're really that much, are you, John? Hold on. I, I had the mic off because I was answering something in the chat room. Um, yep. No, I mean, I, I use Git, just not extensively. I mean, I, to be honest, I'll answer honestly. Like, I use it, like, more if I'm working with, like, other people. For my own purposes, I usually just uh, go in and edit, um, just either in the editor or, like, FTP. It's just quicker for me. Um, like I said, I usually, though, like, when I'm developing, I'm usually the only person, like, working on it. Uh, when I work in teams, though, uh, sometimes that is, you know, more of a requirement. That's when I use Git. So, so another one, a service I use a lot is CodePen. I just love awesome. it. CodePen I love CodePen. is so cool. And um, I've learned an enormous amount from it, and it's just a great tool. Do you, you by the sound of things, you use mm-hmm. it, Jackie? I do, and I, I love when there's examples, and you can go try things out on CodePen and play with it, and it's a great way to learn. About about new yeah. things that are out. Yeah, what about you, John? Do you use Yeah, I use it. Um, yeah, here and there to test stuff out. Um, most definitely, it's useful and it's pretty useful actually to uh, you know find yeah if you can find like uh, what's good about it is you can find like other people's what they've done and kind of change it up and uh, test stuff on your own. Well, yeah. the great thing is you can actually see it working. You, you know, what they're saying they've done, you can actually see it. So unlike a lot of other resources where, you know, you read it and then you, you, you take the code, you muck it around, you try and learn from it, but then you find that, that, that it never works on day one. But where on this, you, you know, it's obvious it works. They, they've got some idea what they're doing. You can look at the code. You can mess around with it. You can learn from it. I just think it's a great resource. What about you, Russell? Um, so I don't use CodePen. Um, I, I like the idea of, of having something where I can, I can see. And um, I, I definitely love looking at other people's code because, um, as a developer, when somebody says, hey, Russ, I want you to build this, I'm going to go look for other technologies out there that already do what they're looking to do. That way it's going to save me and it's going to save my client a lot of time instead of having to rebuild it from scratch. Um, but if I really need to test something out, I use something like JS Fiddle or um, whatever I'm testing. Like if I'm testing JavaScript, I'm going to use JS Fiddle. If I'm testing CSS or SAS, I'm going to go use uh, – 
another tool that's specifically designed for that. Not not so much uh, an all-in-one kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Another um, good one is auto-prefixer if you're into SAS. Does it do LAS at all, or is it just SAS? It does. I don't quite remember. But that, this is another pretty good online service that helps out. Do you use that at all, Jackie? Because I, I know you're into I use auto-prefixer in my grunt. Yeah, it, it handles all of that. And you can just tell it how many browser versions you want to go back to. And usually I'm like two versions or something like that. Is And it, that works fine. And it handles it all for you, so you're done. Yeah. You don't even have to think about it. And it makes, when you're writing your SAS, it makes it nice and clean because you have a lot less in there. You don't have all those distractions of all the other um, prefixes. So it's nice, and but it, the final version gets done for you, and it's great. Yeah, it's a great tool, isn't it? I only used it. I've only been mucking around with SAS a little bit. Um, I wasn't actually so. on SAS. I just started using it last year, and I got I watched some WordCamp talk about it, and I got interested in it. And um, there was a course on Treehouse I took that was phenomenal course it was a, there was one course on there that i really loved because it just connected with me and made it easy it was converting css to sas and it was um oh. gil hernandez did it and it was a really good course and it kind of takes you if you've come from the world where you've only worked in a style sheet and a css it basically says okay let's take this whole big css and let's break it all up into sas partials and i'm going to you know show you how the whole thing all works so it's kind of like reverse engineered everything and that was a great way for me to understand how it all operated. And uh, since yeah, can then, you find a link? Uh, yeah, can you find the link? Um, but also, you, you know, I've got to say, Jackie, you, you've written some nice posts on your website about SAS, and um, I thought they were well written, and you did a great oh, job, thank you. Jackie. There we go. Um, a plugin that I use, um, kind of, is Advanced Code Editor. I use that quite regularly. I just think it's a lovely tool. Um, do not leave it operating on client sites after you finish. Remove it. And um, you're probably going to have to um, harden the site. But you definitely don't want to lose leave this baby on too long. But I do use it. What about you, Russell? Do you ever use it? Are we still talking about SAS and less? <laughs> No, we're talking about this plugin, Wait. this um, advanced code editor. Oh no, no, no! Um, I am the advanced code editor. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to do it myself. Uh, I, I try not to use uh, to. I try not to use plugins to to let me do stuff like that, um, unless it's a very specific use case for it. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's a useful tool. What about you, Jackie? Do you ever use it? Advanced code editor. Yeah, I'll just put the link in. It's a plug-in. It just improves the internal co-editor that comes with WordPress, and it it's pretty nope, a handy I little tool. I have not used that. I don't usually do any yeah. editing in WordPress. I, I was going to say, see our previous uh, conversation. <laughs> see our previous conversation about. Get, I actually on all get client sites. I take and <laughs> I turn the editor off on all the client sites. It's not even on their menu anymore. It's just it's dangerous area to be in. Don't don't. Don't advertise yeah, it. Is. 
<laughs> I'm not recommending it for, you know, uh, like I said, it's kind but, of this show, I saw it kind of aimed at the kind of hobbyist, yeah. intermediate, somebody that like, wanted, that understands the risks about doing it. If you're using it. a code editor, so though, like Sublime or Atom, it's nice to have like PHP code sniffer and other things in there that um, really help you and beautify your code, clean it up, check it for errors. I like that stuff. All right, then let's move on quickly because I, I think uh, Russell's had uh, enough. He, he's had enough of that. No, 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 no. I can talk about this all day. So, <laughs> so let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to text editors. Um, oh, is he gone he off? He runs away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, think he's, I think he's mistreating his dog or something. I don't know. Uh, um, uh, um, right. So let's talk about text editors, Jackie. Um, any particular one you, you um, use? I use Sublime and Atom. I'm, I'm trying to convert over to Atom, but I've just run into some difficulties. It crashes often. and it's. Um, but I do, I really like how Atom handles managing packages and um, your configurations and because yeah. it's all in there. Whereas in Sublime, it's all like behind the scenes. You got to figure out where to cut and paste all these things. And it, it's not as intuitive to work with. Once you get it set up, it's great. It works fine. Yeah. Um, and I'm using Sublime 3, which it's been in beta for, I don't know, like a hundred years. Uh, yeah, but, no, no doubt. <laughs> but um, Adam is pretty cool. I, I do like it. If I can get all the little bugs worked out of it, um, I'd be happy. But yeah, but so far it's been a bit crashy. It's just not been stable. I, out of the box, it works fine. It's when uh, you want to start adding packages and code sniffers and just you know all of these other things. Um, you just there's can be collisions, I think, from different packages. Yeah. And how have you found it, Russell? Uh, which one do you do you use that? Atoms so, so I want to be very clear when when I'm doing things on my own and when I'm just kind of messing around. I'm going to use Sublime Text or I'm going to use Atom. Um, but when it comes to like building things at Web Dev Studios or uh, when I used to work for the National Weather Service, we were using strictly IDEs. And the, just because we could do uh, unit testing so much easier, uh, we mm-hmm. can debug PHP and, and C++ so much easier using an IDE instead of trying to... Um, use this other tool and installs an install another browser package or, or something along those lines. So and what was you what was you using? Storm? Uh so either Aptana Studio or uh like uh NetBeans. Uh but I like Storm. Yeah you're using Storm was it? I didn't say Storm at all. Uh NetBeans is completely different from PHP Storm and uh Aptana Studio three is completely different as well. Yeah. Oh, I thought, I thought um, Beans owned that, that storm. I actually. don't think NetBeans owns uh, JetBrains owns them. Um, JetBrains owns PHP Storm, right? Yes. I didn't. I, I didn't right. Regardless, I, I, I wasn't using PHP Storm for the longest time. All right. So, <laughs> so basically, which one? So you go with Sublime then, Russell? Um, Again, it, it depends on the use case. Um, when I'm doing like a really big project where we have to get it right on the first time, I'm going to use an IED. But if I'm doing something like I'm helping somebody at a meetup, yeah, I'm going to use Sublime Text or Atom. Oh, yeah. What about you, John? What do, do you what do you use? Oh, Sorry. Uh, text editor. I use Sublime Text mostly. So I like that one. 
Yeah, I, I either use Sublime or I use Coda, but I'm an animal, I'm a, uh, I'm an outdated creature, but I like my Coda. So there we go. Uh, um, so the basic thing, these tools, folks, they, they go from price and um, Adam is attractive, folks, because it's free. Is that correct, Russell? It is free, yes. isn't it? Uh-huh. Right. So there's those. So um, are there any... Um, any other tools or things that you use, folks, that you think are really handy that you like to bring up? And I'll start with Jackie. Is anything that you use that you come your way that you use regularly that helps you a lot? Just for development? Well, just make your life easier, Jackie. Um, you know, easy development. I, you life. know, like lately I've been having a really good time where I'm recording videos, how-to videos for clients. On, you know, if I've customized stuff for them, I use ScreenFlow and – um, ink to go and make a nice little video and can put it up on Vimeo for them. And that makes my job a lot easier because they have something to go back and refer to all the time and they don't have to come back with the same questions over and over. So, but uh, other than that, and I love um, Affinity Designer, which is um, kind of like an illustrator um, mm. equivalent. Um, it's very similar. It's for Mac, um, but it's like $49, I think it is. And it, there's no recurring fees. It's a lot less expensive than Illustrator. And I use that for all of my SVGs I make or for logos or any of those things. That's that's a really handy tool. I like it. Yeah, I did have a look at that. It looked really and cool. Actually, Lynda.com has courses now on how to use it. So that that's another good place. If you're interested in it and you get it and you're not you don't not sure how to work at all, there's some good courses on there. Um, so I, I thought, I thought um, Jackie, that you, I've got one here that I thought if you're in the SAS world, it's called SAS Min- Minster. Meister. SAS Meister. Meister. The SAS SAS Meister. Do, you, do you use that at all, Jackie? Yeah. No. What about you, Russell? <laughs> you? My very part was she was just like, uh-uh, no. Um, so we have a guy here in Vegas. His name is Ben Weiser, and he does uh, he works on all the Caesar blogs, uh, Caesar uh, palace, stuff like that. Um, and so he showed us Sassmeister and showed us how easy it was to test, compare, and to debug. And so we've been using Sassmeister ever since. So you think it's a great tool? I think it's a, a, another tool that's very specific. Um, unlike CodePen, where you can test multiple instances with just Sassmeister, you're just testing Sass to do this one thing. I think it's a good tool in that use case. Yeah, sure. Um, and another thing I just like, I use it, is the Kraken. I use, oh, I just like, Kraken.io? I is that what you're talking about? Yes, yeah, very yeah. cool. I like that. I do use I just use it because I like to say I'm unleashing the Kraken. <laughs> I do, it just brings a smile to my so, face. So you're actually. using that. Oh, so you're using the web interface. Sure, fair enough. For image compression, it's nice. It does work. It works really well. Yeah, I just think the unleashing that was that was kind of a a violent shift. We went from Sassmeister to hey, let's optimize know, images. We're just, yeah, we're all over the we're all <laughs> well, over we're the map. Keep, Sorry. This, this is this is bland. We've got to keep it going, Russell. We've got to keep does, moving. Um, does anybody we've else want to jump on? I mean, I'm happy to. Unless you've got more stuff you want to do. Are you are you Sassmeister? No, I'm Jackie? good. We're just coming up at the top of the hour, and I know you were saying you had other people that wanted to jump on. I don't know if Sally wants to join us. She might have, you know, after seeing how I've run this, she might not want to join us. But there we go. Um, well, you pop out for a second. We let's see if Sally wants to join okay, us. Okay. See you later.
Thanks for the talk, Jackie. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks. So any other tools, um, Russell, that you think somebody kind of intermediate developer, um, anything that comes to mind that you think would be useful? One. So depending on who your host is, um, I think uh, WP Rocket is a very good tool. It, it's going to help you um, cache. It's going to help you uh, pull in uh, Cloudflare CD and stuff. I really love WP Rocket just because um, you can use it with WP Engine where they don't let you use the caching plugin, but they let you use WP Rocket. It's one of those tools that uh, I think, uh, what's her name, Lucy Beers did an amazing job on all right, so WP Rocket. I'm trying to find yes, but don't there. use it while you're developing. Sorry. I think right. later on down the road, when you're like, I think I have my site built now. Let's see what it does when it caches. You can use it, but right. n- n- not on the initial build. Yeah, yeah no, ca- caching is a. Thank you for clarifying that. Definitely, definitely something you <laughs> want to turn off while you are developing because you'll be sitting and saying, "Why are my changes not showing up?" Yeah, so what about you, Sally? You know, we've gone through a few stuff. Any remarks about what we've been saying and anything else that you use? Um, I am mainly a Sublime Text user, and there are some uh, auto-prefixer tools for Sublime Text, which is uh, kind of nice uh, because, you know, I'm a complete um, uh, Flexbox junkie. And Flexbox. uh, Yes, uh, it's magic. so, uh, you know, there's some nice stuff you can add to Sublime Text, but I'm trying to get myself, uh, which is to say, I'm trying to find the time to get myself set up with Git uh, and uh, switch to PHP Storm, which we already own, um, and, uh, you know, be able to do kind of everything at, at, at once and... Uh, uh, you know, because it's, it's high time I started doing uh, proper versioning and uh, and I'm especially motivated because I have a, a client that wants to uh, use that, use Git with WP Engine and, you know, all of their development, you know, all, the, all of their developers for the software that they produce uh, use Git and are, you know, just going to be happier if, if everything is accessible that way. Well, fair enough. But um, any any other kind of tools or things that you use generally, Sally, that we haven't mentioned that help out in your I development? I'm trying to think if there's anything you, that you haven't mentioned. I, I uh, you know, I, I use the Chrome developer tools. Um, I had not heard about the specific Firefox uh, developer edition, so I've just downloaded that uh, to check it out. But I, I, I do also use... Another two point two megabytes gone on the hard drive. Yeah, well, you know, I just, I just, I just replaced the SSD on this machine a, a few, nice, um, uh, a few months ago because the old one was, you know, it came with like a one twenty eight and it, it was full, so I bought a two fifty and installed it and, um, you know, in the course of in in the in the course of that, very brightly managed to, you know, um, loosen the connector for my uh, keyboard and and my. I, I trackpad, so I had to take the had to take the laptop in and get it fixed. Um, I was slightly reassured by the the fact that the the guy fixing it was having almost as much trouble with it as I did. Um, but now I so now I have the new SSD and things are 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 working well and and all the mm-hmm. you know all the software goes on the SSD and then there's a, a second internal hard drive for storing data. Um, 
and uh, but you know we've worked with with a bunch of things. I used Zamp a lot, and uh, my husband discovered Mamp Pro on the Mac. And now that there's Mamp Pro on Windows, I just bought a license, and I'm going to kind of set it up and and check it out. But I've mostly been developing on a you know using dev servers on my own site or on, you know, and it has the advantage that, you know, you are actually seeing how it's going to work on the specific instance of PHP, et cetera, that's, um, uh, uh, you know, that's going to be there uh, when you launch it, but it is just a lot slower, as, as Jackie mentioned, for testing your changes because you have to push them up and uh, first and, and, see it load um you know plus if, if you are a real developer which my husband is and i'm not uh you have a bunch of, de of debugging tools that will you know run locally and and not uh, remotely oh well that, that, that's a good point russell um for the intermediate person that's really getting into wordpress bugging debugging tools debugging plugins debug what's your advice uh about debugging and some tools or plugins that might help with that um, debugging is one of those things that a lot of people forget to do so it, it it's trivially easy to say i'm going to build this wordpress plugin and then you go and you build your option framework and you build in all your variables and you're like hey it works on my local environment but you got to turn that debug constant on to go out and find all right well i built this plugin but did you know that it uh d d and q's uh the jquery inside of wordpress natively so I just broke WordPress. So let's go ahead, turn debug on, and try to figure out why I did that. Um, it's one of those things where uh, you can't just test. Here's the thing is that I don't use Genesis, but I need to test my plugin against Genesis. I need to test my plugin against other frameworks and other major players in the space because I want my plugin to be used by as many people as possible. And if my plugin only works for EDD and not for WooCommerce, I just lost a major piece of that pie. So turning on the debug constant to see if you are breaking something is one of the greatest pieces of advice I could give when you start learning how to develop. All right. And are there any kind of plugins or anything, other resources that you like to point out that helps with that process? Yeah, one of them would be a query monitor. So it, it shows you... Um, on a specific page, how many things are being uh, requested from the database. The other tool that I would say, uh, debug uh, or debug bar, there's two plugins that do that. Yeah. And those will actually dump out everything that, hey, here's what you broke, here's what happens. And it does it kind of in an eloquent kind of way, where if you just go into your WP config file and turn debug to true, it's going to dump it right in the header across every single page, even on your live site, and people are going to know you broke some stuff. So I think I, I think debug bar for for yeah. if you have to debug a live site, I would use a plugin like that and not turn on the debug constant. Yeah, there's great because um, that's a great there's great plugin. I've used it myself, and there are some nice plugin resources that really help with that. And it's something that a lot of people forget, isn't it, Russell? I agree, but I'd like to hear more of your thoughts on it. <laughs> well, you know, um, I think that what you were pointing out about making it 
incompatibility of plugins is one of the major causes of problems. So it's quite evident in some ways that if the people were maybe making the plugins, they did some um, debugging testing. I've never made a, a commercial plugin, and I've got I never will do. So, but if I was doing that, I would I would want to make sure that, like what you pointed out, that it worked with the most popular plugins um, well, so, so, in that So, so here's the thing, is that if you're making an e-commerce product, um, like, like let's say another plugin that does e-commerce... Because um, we don't post, have enough of those yet. I don't think we do, to be honest with you. But so um, you're, you don't want to um, build a post type with the same name that EDD is going to give theirs. If you call your post type EDD product you are going to have conflicting problems. Or if you call it WooCommerce product, you're going to break. So WooCommerce just getting, calls it product. I know they do. Mm -hmm. um, I just built a plugin to show me all the post types. Because here's the thing is, is that um, I didn't know that the events calendar calls their post type tribe underscore events. I thought it was being dumped as events or like uh, event types, or I was looking. You can, and I you can actually tell in the in the admin windows up at the. But it wasn't passing that very well. So so what I was trying to figure out though is like, well, what if you go in and you change it? What am I trying to do? It was one of those things where I'm going to name my things after myself because it's a very specific case, and I don't think Jonathan would ever call his post type Russ underscore products. I've been doing yeah, it for yeah, years, but I mean, th that's uh, one of those things that you have to go and you have to check because if you're calling your, if you're naming your stuff WP underscore, you're gonna break it because oh, yeah, that's, how, be that's how WordPress rolls. Serious, you know? serious trouble if if you do that. And uh, yeah. So so so. Well, I think, we, I think we've lost most. Of the, I think you, uh, we've managed to lose most of the audience, Russell. But there we go. But there we go. Uh, um, <laughs> But 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 these are no. if you are going to get into developing and you just go to a tutorial and you copy somebody's code and place it in your functions file and stuff breaks. This is why it breaks is because the the naming was wrong or it's doing the same thing as this or um it wasn't built right and you need to know how to go in and fix that. You know, yeah, that, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, that's true. And I think you know um, I'm not any shape or form a developer like Russell. But the first thing you want to learn, folks, is your variables and, you know, naming them in a way where you're not going to get conflict is kind of like 101. And a lot of people don't do it, like what Russell's just said, but that's why you start getting conflict and other problems. So it's something that you should be aware of. And most people learn the hard way. Don't well, they, well part of the problem is uh, SEO. So, so the problem with that is, is I jump on Google and I look for the best way to enqueue jQuery into what I'm doing. And so an article that was written 10 years ago says, oh, just go to jQuery.com and download it and enqueue it into your thing. Not knowing that if they had read an article from the century that WordPress already does jQuery for you and you can just tack onto that instead of enqueuing your own thing. So... I think SEO and, and articles written 10 years ago were 
are problems for new people when they say, I'm trying to do this, and, you know, it, it's really bad advice. Yeah, if I'm searching for how to do something, which I do often because, you know, I'm one of those people that my husband calls a Google developer. I need to do something. I Google for how to do it. Um that's funny. Uh, we need to make t-shirts to say I'm a Google developer. Well, That's I, I, I seriously want to write an article about, you know, confessions of a Google developer. Yes, it does not mean I work for Google. Um, but I always restrict those searches to, to the past year because anything older than that, it, you know, it, it might be okay, but it might not too. Uh, so, uh, you know, I want to, you know, check on the, on the more recent information about how to do something. I'm going to be doing a talk in uh, WordCamp Orange County coming up in a couple of weeks. And um, part of my talk is that I wished that people would put like, you know how every blog post has like the byline and like the date posted. I wish after that it said, I wrote this when WordPress was version 3.6. And at least it would give me a better understanding of, oh, hey, here's how we used to do it in 3.6. Let's go and see if there's another way to do it in 4.1, 4.2. Because the problem, again, is even though we have backwards compatibility, there's a lot of tools that have been deregistered that we can't use anymore or they've been deprecated. So we need to understand how to do it currently and not how we did it 20 years ago. Right. I think there is a plugin that sort of marks posts that are older than X with a little kind of, you know, this is older than X. But that doesn't, that's not quite as specific as saying, you know, it was for this version of WordPress and, and that version of... Um, I, I guess I guess essentially the the date of the blog post kind of takes care of that, but then you got to go and figure out what version was uh, was released during that time. I just wish there was a way that people would clearly say, um, "Hey, I have this, this theme. I want you to come to Theme Forest and buy it." But just to let you know, um, I'm not running the latest version of WordPress because it breaks, so I'm using this version. You know, like I've had problems like this where I buy a theme. And I import it, and I'm like, well, what happened? And I go and find out that they're not on the latest version of WordPress. Or they're selling me version 2.0 of their theme, but the live version that I can see the demo is still on 1.0. You know, like, th this happens yeah. quite a bit often. Yeah, true. It's true. So, John, have you got any, any kind of tools, bins that you think that we haven't mentioned that you think would help somebody that's kind of starting out and that um i've only been honestly i've only been half listening because i've been in the chat room but uh well i'm not i'm like yeah. that all the time so. uh sounds like you have it covered like, to me he's like i hear voices in my head all the time <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's been basically put on me to do the uh, uh you know to figure out how the how the how things should collapse, uh, you know, hooray flex box. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, one of the things I'm, I'm going through now is, is like, you know, before we can put, before you start the, you know, make up a, des a design brief and, and figure out how much you're going to charge the client to do the designs, 
we need to know like what kind of content types we're having and how many views oh, yeah. we actually need because we're going to need, you know, a view for the for the single and archive webinar and uh, recording and a view for the single and, and, and archive presentation and a view for the single and archive, uh, you know, press release and, and, and all of those things. And those are things that you should design so that they all look good together and I'm not kind of faking it. Um, and, and, you know, and that you should make sure that you're charging the client enough to do the designs for. Yep. What's your thoughts, Russ? I mean, if, if you have somebody who's just so focused on the homepage and you bi- you build them this homepage and they're like, well, how come my posts look like crap? Well, listen, you focus on the homepage. So I think it comes back down to let's set an expectation that we're going to spend X amount of hours or maybe a couple days on this and let's move on, you know, because we can version out your website. Like, a lot of people forget that, like, if, if I want a new header on my WordPress site, I don't go buy another theme because it has a new header. I just build a new header.php. Or if I want a new single page, a, a single blog post, I don't need another theme. I can just build another single.php and I can rebuild that page. I think a lot of people forget that. Let's get something up and working. Let's get some money. Let's get you recuperating what you've just spent. I don't want to say lost because <laughs> I don't want clients nope. to feel they lost money. But let's nope. re- let's recuperate your bank account and then let's version it out. You know, instead of you don't have to do everything right away. Just I, do, I, do, I, I do actually agree with you, Russell. But unfortunately. What you've just said. It doesn't sound like you agree then with the word unfortunately. It's not that, Russell. It's it's tough setting expectations with clients. I think you're right. Let me tell you why you're wrong. That's kind of what it sounded like, but but go ahead, Jonathan. What what you were saying, you know, it's logical, but my experience, logic with a lot of clients doesn't work. I I have to say, basically, the more professional and the better the budget of the client, the the less arguing you tend to get about this. It is is with the... uh, 100% on that. Yeah. uh, uh, It it, it is with the, the, you know, the very small businesses, the people who are not that sophisticated and and the people who are just so sort of anxious about how much money are they going to spend that, you know, that tend to... um, to be the least reasonable about it. I, th- I think people who are in, in businesses that are just more accustomed to having to invest and not just invest money, but invest thought and, 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 and time and, and, and effort into various parts of their business understand that, you know, they're going to have to put some thought and some work and some money into, uh, you know, into building a website that actually does what they need it to do. It blows me away, like what you're saying, and and I'm not gonna like harp on like budgets or whatever. But some people just, you know, whatever their budget is, it, that's their budget. But you know, like I'm probably in the same age range as you and Jonathan, and and a little bit older than Russ, I'm guessing. But I'm 30. you remember back in the day, like you're an you know, infant, you're an infant, you're a baby, you're a baby. But but what I'm saying is like back in the day, like okay, businesses, well, was your age? businesses had to drop like you know eight hundred dollars in like 1970s and 1980s money for like a yellow page, or they just like didn't exist, and they did that without hesitation. And 
what you're saying, like the smaller businesses. And it still costs that much for their Yellow Pages ad, if, if well, not a lot more. Yeah. So, like, the people who are, like, struggling with their website, it's like, why is my website ranking number one? Well, that's part of it, is well, you need to, like, actually not try and get, like, the kid who, you know, just did, like, a class in college and this is their first site and try and scam them. You need to, like, get a professional like Russell or Sally or Jonathan or, you know, somebody I'm else. To do- I'm a, I, I don't take sure. direct. I'm just well, a maintenance well, guy now. Sure. I'm, I'm the can, maintenance guy. Can, can I just say that? <laughs> yeah. It, if, you, if you are venturing in the business and you have a soft drink, um, you are not going to compete with Coca-Cola and Pepsi. But nope. it comes back to setting that expectation. Like, let's focus on this for the next year and here's why and if that client says no we're taking down pepsi because here's what they don't do you walk away from that client because that's a red flag right there like you can't compete on that level i would love to compete with um with microsoft and 10 up and all these companies but you're not going to compete with them just because you're a tech blogger you have to build that following you have to gain that because that's what they started with. Even though they had the millions of dollars of resources to build this website, they could have lost it, as we see most startups do, because they wrote bad content. You have to work slowly at it. You can't just expect to throw $100,000 at a website and have it be um, the next tech crunch, you know? Agree. Yeah. So I also like, Sandy, you know, you've mentioned Flexbox a couple of times. You know, what's your been experience? Have you been using it extensively on live sites? And the same question to the other two panelists. Oh, yeah, I use it basically since I discovered it. I use it wherever I possibly can uh, because it just makes things so much easier. Uh, you know, vertical alignment. Can you explain Can you explain to the listeners and that what it is? And also, has the browser support got a lot better? The, browsers, the browser support is a lot better. So, you know, it's I, I, I will stu- still use the um, prefixer in, in my CSS in, in case, but in fact, you know, the, the modern browsers can all cope with it. Not everyone is using a modern browser. And, you know, if you're designing for a bank that's still on IE6, uh, it, then you're probably not going to want to use it. But uh, uh, otherwise... Um, can you go know. what the benefits of using it are and blah, blah, blah? Can you? Well, it means you don't have to... Uh, you don't have to write so many specifics for your... Uh, media queries. If you say, all right, so here we have a flex container, everything inside of it is, is going to flex and, and, you know, it will wrap at a certain point and then you set each element in the container to basically how it's going to flex. Is it going to grow when, it get, when the container gets bigger or not? Is it going to shrink when the container gets smaller or not? Um, you know, and, and you may say in, in either case not, you know, and then what's the basis? Is it is it a certain pixel size? Is it a certain percentage? Um and then whatever size that container is, uh, you know, the elements will, you know, shrink together or they will start to stack up. Well, w- with Bootstrap, so if you're looking at a page and you have a, a left sidebar, your content, and your right sidebar, when you collapse that onto a mobile screen, that left sidebar goes immediately to the top. Unless you specifically say 
don't show this on mobile, and then you have to build another left sidebar on mobile. With Flexbox, you can have those two columns around your content, but on mobile, drop those to the very bottom. You can drop those easily than using something like Bootstrap. I think that's one of the biggest benefits Flexbox provides. Oh, yeah, so you can, so you you've can, got real, you got micro control. You've got over a the lot stack, of control. You've got a lot of control. You can tell it to you know generally align items so that they're you know stretch or or top or or you know middle or or whatever. But tell a specific item to align itself differently. You can set yeah. order for the for the items. You can. Well, you can control a lot of uh, you can control a lot of stuff um and and it just you know compared to like trying to calculate the percentage width you want each thing to be and then the padding in between it and the you know the margins between it and then the, the this and then that it's just a way easier way to to position stuff in a container the way you want it to be yeah oh uh, russell are there other benefits in you utilizing it uh, apart from the stacking order so one of the easiest things is it's new, and so well it, it's newer. Um, if if you try to go start developing in Bootstrap, there's you know ten thousand blogs that are dedicating to building Bootstrap. Um, you kind of feel like you're you're in on the ground floor with it. That's number one. Number two, though, is um, with what Sally was saying is is when you have control and you're not spending. 12 hours trying to determine whether you should have a 10 pixel or a 12 pixel padding, it saves a lot of time in that development. Or if instead of saying, you know what, I need you to be 33.1, refresh the page, 33.2, refresh the page. You can just declare it once and it kind of figures out, hey, I'm on this size screen. Let's try this. And you have a lot more to work with instead of having to get into the teeth pulling of doing all this, uh, of, desktop to tablet to to phablet to phone all oh, right know. so what's your what's been your experience with not older browsers but let's say you know the browsers that you should be developing is as the cross browser support um been reasonable or are there really quite big differences in safari and chrome and how they they work with it well, you're going to run into that problem regardless just because the each browser processes things a little bit differently, especially the, the order of files and how things are going. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, I want to say that like 85% of the time, I'm not going to have a problem just by adding some basic Flexbox stuff to do this. I'm not going to have that problem. Where you have the problem is, is maybe again using some somebody's using a CSS class name or an ID name right. that reflects to Flexbox, not because they are using Flexbox, because they copied it from another tutorial. I think that's where I run into the, uh, a lot of the problems. All right. What about you, John? Have you been using it at all on live sites, or you've just been looking at it, or what? I read your mind, Sally. That that that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> You got your mic off. But... Yeah. As happens when I type. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so up developed a really cool um, plugin uh, flexibility, and it provides support for uh, the older versions of Internet Explorer that didn't previously support Flex, which would be uh, 8 and 9. And so... Uh, Ever since that came out, I've been using Flexbox in live projects. 
And and this is kind of like the next like sequence. Uh, like CSS back in the day, it was like tables based, and then it kind of went to like float based layouts. And now there's really not a lot of like barrier to using this in uh, you know live projects. So I have been. Uh, one thing that's really cool about it too, not only like the ordering on the uh, mobile devices and stuff like that, but you can you can set the rules like uh, you know space around or space between to where say if you've got an item and there's like you know three like little boxes, they'll all just kind of like automatically you know space apart like. Right, because uh, having to set it, yeah. you know, last yeah. child has a margin on the left, but not on the right, and first yep. child has a margin on the on the yeah. you know on on the right, but not on the left. You don't have to do that with Flexbox. You just tell mm-hmm. it space between or space around, and it takes care of that. All right. Yep. Sounds good to. And what have you got the link to this plugin from Ten Up? Actually, yes, he's put it's it in, in there. The, uh, put it in he's there. Put it in the yeah. chat. Oh yeah, I see it. One thing that I I will say, like you'll have to use like a WebKit prefix uh, for like some cases, or at least that's what I'm I've run into. Uh, but all the rest of them, like Chrome, Firefox, it works really good. Uh, newer, like the latest, like IE works pretty good uh, with the flexibility plugin. W- works like a charm in the older ones. So, well, yeah. look at that because it is a great. So does it, does it affect also centering of different items as well? Does it make that both vertically easy? and horizontally? Oh, yep. that's great! That's great because you can spend all your day working all that. Out, Especially, yeah, vertical alignment was such a pain before Flexbox. Well, well, especially like Sally was saying earlier, where you have uh, two boxes and one's got a paragraph and one's got a sentence, and you're trying to mm-hmm. to to vertically align those and and, the, and to make those spaces. Um, it, it's just horrible, you know. Um, ben Weiser, who who does the stuff for Caesars, I don't want to put them on blast, but instead of adapting Flexbox into this design, what they did was they decided to put a check every two seconds and make sure these boxes are the equal say the uh, the equal height. So it's running all the stuff in the background just to make sure that it's at a, a two hundred pixel height instead of using Flexbox, but you know, he has to take some steps to, to do, to, to get that approved. So I understand why they did that, but it's one of those things where you could have just adapted this and it could have been done with, you know? Right. Well, a lot of that also was, you know, a lot of these issues were kind of dealt with jQuery and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't, didn't it? Depending on the scenario. I love jQuery. And if you are doing it, I don't want to say that it, I love jQuery, and if you have the appropriate instance for it, I think um, a module or an accordion, I think using that instead of using a, a CSS-based accordion, stuff like that, I, I think it comes into to a much better use case, again, depending on what you're trying to do. But I've seen the studies where it's much better to do it CSS-wise because it's going to process so much faster instead of trying to load four more scripts into your head, you know, so... I've seen it both ways. I would still yeah. use I, I would still use jQuery at heart just because um, my brain is programmed. Oh, I need a module. Let's just use jQuery. Eventually, I will get off of that. But as of right now, I, I will still try to use native tools instead of trying to figure out new and inventive ways to do it. Again, just to save time, though. You know, yeah. it's, not, it's not because I'm opposed to using Flexbox. It's because. I know I can do this in two hours instead of this, where it might take me four just to learn it. 
Well, I, I will look at Flexbots a, a bit more just out of interest because when I when I was looking at on um, CSS tricks, um, he did a, quite a few um, um, posts about it. But the browser support looked very tricky when I was looking at it. Yeah, but that that post is old. Yeah, it was it was over a year ago when I looked. That's the point I was trying to make about CEO, and and, you know, it's like, hey, you should do this thing with Flex, and it's like, no, that's not how it's done anymore. Or there are better things that you should do with it. So, so has he not really published anything new about it, Sally? Or is that still really Uh, various various newer things have been published about it? But that was a very you know that post got a lot of traffic, so it so it still comes up. No, it's not you know the initial. The initial how to do stuff with Flexbox stuff is is fine. It's just that you know if you go over to, to you know can I use you now find that yeah it it will work. Uh, have you got any kind of um, resources URL that tells you about the, the browser support at the present moment? The browser yeah, support. Can I use? Every, everything is it you know can I use dot com. Right. I'm gonna throw this in here too. This is a cool little game. Oh yeah, treehouse and um, yeah. And this is like a cool little game. You don't cost you no money. It's just out there, and it'll help you kind of like it'll give you like little challenges to kind of teach about flexbox. Oh, this sounds really this sounds really exciting because so much so much time was wasted on some of these minor stuff, wasn't it? It just kind of see that's how you you get a hairstyle like mine, Russ. When you get to my age. I'm already there, my man. I'm already there. No, you got there. a lot more hair than me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> look at look at me and Yep. All right. Um, anything else anybody wants to talk about? Because I'm a bit blabbed out now. I think we've had a good. What do you reckon, Russell? I think we've covered a load of good stuff, haven't we? I I think the the three major takeaways here are that there are an abundance of resources that you could eventually use to, to build a project. Um, that that's number one. Number two is defining what you're trying to build and then going to find the tools to, to build it instead of saying like, Oh, I found this membership plugin. Let's build your membership around this plugin. You should yeah. figure out how your memberships need to work and find the plugin to match that. And, and the, the third takeaway here is that, it's going to take time and it's going to take a little bit of resources to build these things. You can't do it overnight. I think that's great. uh, You're going to get annoyed with me again, Russell, a little bit, but everything you said is the problem is it's, but it's budget. But then, then what, you know, you said, you know, if it's a red flag and it's obvious and you can afford not to take the client, Probably better to walk away, isn't it, Russell? They're, they're not suitable. I, I've, wa- I've walked away from a number of clients where it's just like, oh, we want the. I- I'm done. Sorry. Like, here, like, let, let's. We're going to part ways. I'm going to help you find somebody else, but you are not going to dictate what we're trying to do in this scenario. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what do you say, Sally? Do you think we've covered. You joined us a little bit later, but it's yeah, been a great well, discussion. I mean, I was in almost at the beginning, so for, and and I think it's been a pretty good um, talk about you know tools. The thing you know, this I th- I think one point that I've seen on a, a couple of tutorials is, you know, don't keep chasing the shiny in terms of your developer tools. Is you know, if you find something that that does what you need and you can get to know it well, and and use it quickly and easily. 
then you know you might explore something new occasionally as, as a developer tool. But if you keep trying to learn a new one every week, you're not going to get good enough at any of them for them to speed up your development. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. So I, I want to ask Russell to kind of finish off with around SaaS. You know, because I always I saw, always saw the benefit of it if you were dealing with a large project, Russell, and you had like thousands and thousands and thousands of lines of CSS and the benefits of SaaS or LAS. But do you think now it's really, really very beneficial if you're just doing, even if you're just doing smaller projects, um, that you would still utilize those tools and learn SaaS? Yes, I, I think you should learn SAS regardless of what project you're working on. But I think that, I mean, to, to satisfy a workflow, you have, if I'm using SAS on this big project and then I have to decompress my brain to go work on yeah. native CSS here, you know, not that that's a problem, but I mean, if I can just jump into another project and the, that developer and I'm a developer and we both have the same understanding and I, we can read each other's code and we don't have to keep jumping back and forth. Yeah, I think it's a good case in saying, here's why we should all be using the same thing or relatively the same things. Yeah, it does have attractions. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I get it. What, what's your feelings, John? Do you think we covered a lot of stuff? And Yeah, I think we gave people a lot of resources, say if they're... Um, either building a site or they're wanting to get into development or they're just starting to uh, build sites for other people. It's like a lot of places where you can start, a lot of resources uh, that you can use and giving you a good idea of, of how people use those tools in the real world. Well, and folks, I think we've had a good blab. Have a great weekend. Get up to mischief. Make loads of money. Be happy. Especially you, Russell, because you're much younger than me. So. I'm, a, I'm always happy if that's what you're implying. <laughs> oh, you're happy, you're happy. You're not a grumpy English person like me. So, so you know, I've been quite chirpy today, you know. I think I am. There you go. Well, I'm going to kick your folks out. Thanks for coming right. on. Stay on, John. Peace out, people. Stay on, John. For I'm a staying while. on. I'm going to kick ladies Bye out on. first. <laughs> Guys, Ali. All right. So what do you reckon? I thought we had a good show there, didn't we? That was a great show. Yep. We um, want to talk about our guest next on the podcast. Sure, week? let's go over it. Yes, to Devin. So introduce. We've got a guest for our podcast next week, folks. Our first guest with my new co-host, John Locke. Say something, John, about our guest. Introduce him. So Devin Williams, he uh, runs Word Impress, which is there behind the people behind the Give plugin, which is a donation plugin. Uh, and they're a really rock solid like plugin company in the WordPress ecosystem. We know several of the people that, that uh, work there, and we like those folks. Yeah, it should be fun. He's a great talker, um, great guy, um, bloody handsome, isn't he? Talented, handsome, intelligent. It's disgusting, isn't it, John? Yeah, he's like the uh, he's like the uh, opposite version of uh, myself. Yes, exactly. It is, you know, like, just young. Got loads of money, talented. It makes you sick, doesn't it? But it should be a great discussion, shouldn't it? So thanks so much, John. I think we've had a good show today. Thank you so much for your support, John. No problem. Thank and, you. Uh, I'll see you at the beginning of next week. Yep. We rock on. See you rock later. on, my rock brother. On. See ya. Right. I'm going to kick you out, John. There kick you me out. Do kick it. You.
they're all kicked out. Hopefully you've enjoyed the show. Um, go to WP Tonic. The version of this will be on there um, at the end of this today. Go to the YouTube channel. There's almost a, almost a hundred videos. We're getting close to episode 100. Um, that's going to be a special. Um, I'm thinking about that show already. Um, thanks so much for listening and uh, come back next Saturday where we're going to be discussing more about the world of WordPress. See you later, folks. Peace.